You are listening to the Women of the Military podcast, where we share the stories of female service members and how the military touched their lives. I'm your host, military veteran, military spouse, and mom, Amanda Huffman. My goal is to find the heart of the story and uncover issues women face while serving in the military. If you want to be encouraged by the stories of military women and be inspired to change the world, keep tuned for this latest episode of Women of the Military. My guest this week is not a female veteran, but is the author of Beyond the Point a novel that is focused on three female cadets and their journey at West Point and beyond. I had an opportunity to read her novel and wanted to share it with all of you and talk to Claire about her military background and how this story came to be. Claire Gibson is a writer based in Nashville, Tennessee, born and raised at the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. Claire went on to study political science and Asian studies as a Furman at Furman University, where she was recruited by Teach for America to be a middle school history instructor. In 2002, she left the classroom to pursue her lifelong dream of becoming a writer. Her work has appeared in Washington Post, the Tennessean, Marie Claire Magazine, Entrepreneur Magazine, and many others. Beyond the Point is her debut novel. Welcome, Claire. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Thank you, Amanda. I'm so glad to get to chat with you, too. This is great. So tell us a little about yourself and your military background. Well, I know that most of your probably listeners and guests typically are are veterans like yourself. So I'm not a veteran, and I'm quick to say that because... I was an Army brat, so I was around veterans my whole life. My dad served in the U.S. Army active duty for 27 years. My sister was an officer in the Army and is currently married to an active duty officer. And we lived all around the country like most military brats. You know, we we moved a lot, but most of my childhood was spent at West Point. So we were surrounded by, you know, future Army officers, and I've had the privilege of keeping in touch with a lot of those men and women over the years. And the Army and the military in general is always really close to my heart because of my childhood and just the privilege of being a part of that community. How did the cadets that you met while you were at West Point influence you as a military child? Oh my gosh, <laughs> it was amazing. I mean, I, to this day, don't think that I would be who I am today if it weren't for some of those cadets. So I lived at West Point from age 10 to age 16. So very formative years. And, you know, golly, like any college campus that you would live on and walk around at that age, you would just be googly eyed at the the guys and the, you know, the football games and just be the big kids, right? That's kind of how I saw them. They were just these big kids that were incredibly ambitious and fit and smart and going places and doing really important things. You know, most college students today, especially millennials, kind of get a bad rap. But when I was a kid, the college kids at West Point were really kids that I could look up to. They weren't, you know, smoking weed on the weekends that I knew of (laughs) and um, or that they wanted anyone else to know of. Uh, And so my parents were very trusting and, and willing to let me, you know, be mentored by a lot of those cadets. And, and that was a really positive thing for me. So I had cadets who were Sunday school teachers and cadets who were um, women that would come into our house and just kind of hang out to escape life at the barracks. And um, I was really fortunate to be influenced and, and uh, want to emulate them when I was older. You said that your age, but what year, do you know what years it was? When did you move there? And when- sure. 
Yep, it was 1997 to 2003. So some very formative years in our nation. And obviously, we were living at West Point when 9-11 happened. And West Point is about 50 miles north of New York City. So it was kind of a strange day for our community because not only not only did our entire community realize at that moment that everyone we knew and loved was going to be going to war, but also the community that wasn't related to the military. You know, there's a little town right outside of West Point that our local New Yorkers, many of them worked in the city or had friends or family that worked in the city. So everyone in our community was on edge, obviously, and it was an eerie sense of purpose and calm that kind of fell over the community over the next few months and years as we all kind of knew that it was going to change the trajectory of everyone's lives. It's really interesting. I've gotten a, gotten a chance to talk to a few women who were in like when September 11th happened or right before. And it's just interesting to hear how much the military changed in one day. Mm-hmm. What uh, years was your service? I was in from 2007 to 2013. Okay. September 11th happened my senior year of high school. Okay. So I'm a few years younger than you. I was a freshman in high school when September 11th happened. And obviously looking up to these college girls that were just a few years ahead of me and ahead of you, it was really, really hard for me to consider what they were getting ready to do. And, you know, they joined West Point in a peacetime situation and had no, you know, no one, no one thought coming, obviously. And so, but, but I think, thankfully, all of them saw that tragedy and, and responded to it as a calling and as a mission. And rather than being fearful, felt like, okay, this is why we're here. This is why we came. So Your first novel is Beyond the Point. How did this mm-hmm. book come to be? Right. So <laughs> it's a good question. It took a long time is how it came to be. <laughs> I grew up, as I said, an army brat, but I was also very creative and always looking for a project and writing was always something that I could do all the time and used it as a hobby. We'd have journals and blogs later on. And it wasn't until I was out of college and out of my first job that I realized that I kind of wanted to make it a career. And so I started pitching stories. And once I had a few newspaper articles under my belt, I kept having this nagging thought in my mind that I wanted to write a novel. And I knew West Point would be this magical, beautiful place to have a setting. But like I said before, I'm not a veteran. I didn't attend West Point. So there was a part of me that felt that even though it was my childhood home, it wasn't really mine to write about. And luckily and thankfully, a few of those women that we helped and and supported during their college years reached out to me in about 2013. And they had seen some of my newspaper articles and magazines and those essays. And they reached out and said, Hey, we, we like your writing. Would you be interested in interviewing us for a story? And I, I mean, my heart just like leapt out of my chest. I was so excited that it felt like it was this perfect marriage of their experiences and my desire to write this novel. And so I started interviewing women and it kind of like what you do, you know, asking about their service, asking about their experiences and that off the record, which was nice. <laughs> so I got to hear a lot of the stories that maybe they, they wouldn't want out in the world with their names on it. And after all of those stories, I was able to sit down and very slowly create these three characters that really cover a lot of the interviews that I did. So I've told people, You know, not everything in the book has happened to three specific people, but everything in the book has happened to somebody. 
That makes sense. I think reading it, I related a lot to to the very early stages of like boot camp and just having people underestimate you and say things like and some of them they would say stuff to the women and like that's what people say <laughs> to women it's not like and it's hard to remember that so it was kind of cool to read the novel in such like detail because a lot of the like stories that you hear we can't remember all those tiny details but then you kind of mm. filled in the gaps of how it feels to be a woman and so i really I've wondered, I've wondered for women who are in the military, in particular for women who attended West Point, I wonder if they are going to be interested in reading it or if they're going to think, ah, I already lived that. I don't need to read it. So it's interesting to hear your perspective of, you know, that in a way it was maybe validating or something like what that experience was like to read it. Yeah, I think that women who are interested in going to West Point will definitely want to read it. And then, yeah, I think female veterans would like to I I enjoyed it I couldn't put it down so I think I think it took me like I was trying to get it done before the interview but I've had it done for over a week and I just got it like three weeks ago and so oh thank you I was like cooking and like (laughs) reading yeah I was reading all the time Because it's a long book. It's 500 pages, so. I know. You know, it's crazy because when you're writing on your computer, I had no idea how long it was. I've never written a novel. So someone asked me how long it was, and I said, it's 120,000 words. And they're like, wow. And I'm like, oh, is that long? I don't know. And then when the publisher sent me the early copies, it came, and it was thick. And I looked at my husband, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Is anyone going to read this? This is so long. But thankfully, I've had some um, some great folks like you that have shared that they were able to plow through it, even though it's a little, a little longer than maybe we're used to. <laughs> yeah, it is long and it's, it's got so much heart. And like, mm. I think you can feel the realness of the characters because so many of the things that happen are things that either have happened to me or I know someone who's had them happen. So like you said, it might not be one person who had all the things, but I can, I know that it's true to like what, and I, my favorite part was the end where they had, mm-hmm. you had some of the interviews that people were willing to share. And I mm-hmm. like poured over those and read those a, binge, a bunch because I really, that's like my niche of what I like to look at. So that was totally. And I mean, for me, I loved, I loved the interview process. It was so um, meaningful to me to have these women share their stories with me. And every time I got off the phone or off the Skype interview, the women would say, gosh, that felt like therapy, you know, and I think if I had a different career, I would want to be a counselor. And I think it's so important for us to share our stories with someone. And it's an honor that I was able to hear so many of their stories and just to be someone that can hold them and and try to honor them because we don't live in a society right now that can deal with, that deals very well with pain or discomfort. And a lot of what women in the military have experienced in the last decade is really hard and really uncomfortable. It's very true. So many of the people that I've talked to are like, I've never told my story to anyone. Or if they have, it's been really like broad brush jokes, nothing like where I'm like, okay, tell me more. Now tell me mm-hmm. more. And so mm-hmm. I I feel like there's a lot of power in talking about your experience and and it's emotional too. The one of my last guests started tearing up in the middle of telling mm-hmm. her story just because it is. It's not easy stuff to talk about, and 
sometimes women are dismissed for people assume that women sit behind desks and that's all they do and that's not even mm-hmm. remotely true so true one of the things i really liked in the book was there was a character named wendy and she had an open door policy was that based on your mom and your upbringing <laughs> it totally was <laughs> my mom when she finished reading the book she called me and she was crying and she was like i was nowhere near as good as wendy you know <laughs> she was felt like wendy was above and beyond it was you know our family My mom has a very hospitable nature. That's just part of her gift. And I have tried to feel some of that. I'm nowhere near as good of a cook as my mom is, but um, she is very much a hospitable person. And I learned a lot as a kid that our door was open and we had a welcoming, you know, environment in our home. And it meant a lot to me as a kid to see that we were sharing our home. We weren't just they're hiding out from from the world. Uh, we were a welcoming people in. And for that reason, you know, we have all these friends and these experiences that have now blessed my life. You know, my mom would never have thought 20 years ago that those women in that her living room were going to call me someday. And because of that call, I would get to live my dream of being a writer. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't orchestrate that. Right. But that's the beauty of hospitality is that you get to have these experiences with people and those relationships mean something. Mm -hmm. So I learned a lot from my mom and continue to look up to her all the time. So you used your past experience or your upbringing and then you used your mom as one of the characters. How did you decide to do the three specific women that you chose? Right. So originally the novel followed four characters. And that got a little bit, I mean, it was already long, right? (laughs) Um, So my editor and some friends that were early readers, they encouraged me to consider letting one of those characters disappear off the page and to give three of the characters more space to really flesh out and be a little bit more, go a little deeper. And so those three characters are, are very closely aligned with three of the initial women that I interviewed. And, and then the fourth character was more of a composite character. And so some of her stories ended up getting weaved into these other, the other characters. So for example, Hannah in the novel, while she's in Afghanistan, visits a burn unit. I don't know if you remember that section, but that story um, of her visiting a local clinic that the U.S. Army had set up to serve burn victims, that story actually came from... A, another woman who shared that memory from her time. And that was actually in Iraq and her experience. So it was stories like that, that I didn't want to lose. I felt like that was a really important moment for Hannah because she wanted to go and serve in the military because she wanted to serve people and, and her experience getting to serve the locals in that scene was really important to me. And so it's things like that, that I had to figure out how to weave together so that I didn't lose some of those beautiful anecdotes and moments. That makes sense. Yeah. And now a word from our sponsor. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get Women of the Military podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show onto all the apps people like to listen to? How much will it cost to get started? And how will I make money from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. 
And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go for it. Go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Why did you decide to do a fictional story instead of a biography type of a book? That's a really good question. So I thought a lot about this before we wrote it because you can sell nonfiction books prior to writing them. But if you write a novel, you have to write the whole thing and then you sell it. So it was a very different, you know, math problem if I was going to write a novel. But like I said earlier, the more women that I spoke to, the more I realized that if I could be off the record, if they could be off the record, then I could really learn more of the reality of what went down in some of their situations. So that was one reason why writing it as a novel really protected some of these women. And then the second reason that I decided to write it as a novel is that if you go into a bookstore today, there really are a lot of nonfiction stories and books about women in the military. I shouldn't say there are a lot. There are some, and they're all on the nonfiction shelf. So it's, you know, a memoir of the first woman veteran who was a female general, or there's a, you know, Gail Tamak Lemon's book about the first female soldiers that were attached to the special forces. So there's... There is that. If, if readers are interested in those stories, they can go find them. But what I really wanted was a novel that would be more, have more commercial appeal and be able to introduce people that maybe aren't or wouldn't think that they're interested in the military to these characters that they all of a sudden feel like they know and they're friends with. And maybe when they put the book down, someone who knows nobody in the military now has just a teeny glimpse of what that person might have gone through. Um, I think there's a growing divide between the military community and the civilian community. And I want this novel, and I hope that this novel will help civilians have some more empathy toward what our veterans and our nation have done. I think that's a really good point because one of the reasons that I liked it so much over some of the books that I've read is that it was so easy to read because it is a novel and you could Mm -hmm. go like so deep into the emotions that a lot of times you can't remember all the details. And so I think that was a good choice and it makes it, it's really true. Like now anyone could read the story and learn about the military and if they are connected to the military, they can learn even more or just have something they can Mm -hmm. relate to. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. And I think, you know, the more the more people read it, the more they will have some empathy toward women in the military and and see themselves. You know, I also want young women, if, if a 18-year-old girl picks it up or a 15-year-old girl picks it up, I want her to think, huh, well, that's a path that maybe I never thought about, but now doesn't seem so scary. Or, you know, there's not just what I see on their, on the news. Like these women have lives and ambitions and spouses and friends just like I do so well even some of the scandals because there is kind of some of the scandals that have happened at the military academies is written into the book and I like that you Mm -hmm. like have the backstory behind it it's not just what makes the front page but like the emotion Mm -hmm. that went into it and what led up to it and how it all happened and it makes it I think more relatable and more understandable 
for people outside the military community. So I really- And I think what we're seeing now, you know, I think the military academies, they obviously get a lot of flack and they, they get the headlines and, and they should. I mean, it's horrible, the assaults and uh, misconduct that happens at the service academies. But I think what we're learning now through the Me Too movement is that that's a pervasive problem. That is not just a military problem. That's an American problem. And I think, you know, it would have been, it would have been wrong for me to show every male cadet at West Point as, you know, some virtuous chivalrous dude. Like that's just not the case. (laughs) Um, But that's just not the case across the board. You know, all women understand that not all men are going to protect them or, or be kind. So and obviously, John Collins' character in that novel, he is uh, none of those things. So, What did you learn from the experience? Because you kind of already knew a little bit because you knew some of the cadets growing up. But what did you learn that mm-hmm. you didn't know already? Wow, that's a great question. I learned so much. I mean, I think one of the big things that I learned was just about how interconnected women were with every single part of the war effort. Like you said, they, women were not sheltered from combat. You know, there are no front lines in the way war is fought today. And I interviewed a woman named Mandy, who this is in the back section of the book you were talking about where the interviews were, but she told me her story about handing out cash to Iraqi locals because of, you know, mortar rounds that landed on their prized cow or whatever. And I just could not get over that, that she just slept in front of a vault every night with her M16 and was in charge of millions of dollars of U.S. cash that she just handed out. Like, it blew my mind. She told me that they flew the cash shrink-wrapped straight from the mint in the, in the United States, straight to Iraq. And just the thought, the visual image of all of that money like monopoly money just going, flowing out, it made me angry and then it made me sad and then it made me just so proud of her for what she did and how scary that must have been at times and um, frustrating it must have been at times. And so, yeah, there were just little stories like that that I learned from everyone about what they had done. And it made me all the more grateful for these women. I was part of a provincial reconstruction team in Afghanistan and one of the things that we had projects was we were building roads and there are all these Mm. people complaining that so-and-so knocked down my house, so-and-so knocked down my house and like I mean maybe there was damage but so we had to go through with each person who came and like file the claim and then discuss with the contractor and with the person how much money they should get and we gave the money and I remember that and it was like this big whole crazy thing and like we had only been there for nine months so who knows because the roads took forever to build if the last PRT had done that and forgotten or two PRTs before or whatever and so right kind of like they knew how to work the system and we're we were only there for such a short time that so it was very frustrating that's kind of and it feels wasteful potentially or it could feel like well maybe this is the right thing if they really did lose their (laughs) property and then the other part of you is like, but what if they go buy weapons with this money? Like it's all yeah. so um, mixed up and it's, yeah, I mean, it's part of modern warfare where 
it, I mean, I was also proud of the United States of like, we're trying to, you know, honor these locals and, and not just destroy their lives. So there's that too. I mean, it's so complicated. Right. So complicated. Yeah. There's empathy for the people because if they are telling the truth and then they just lost their house and like, you need to do right. something. But then all the people that come forward and you're like, I don't remember that many buildings on this road. Right. And so right. it's, and we'd only, right. and the roads took like years to build. So it's mm. who knows what exactly is going on and what's happening and so and mm-hmm. I feel like I think when she was talking about the being in the clinic in Iraq to help the the burn victims like they mm-hmm. only had like a limited amount of supplies and you had to like work with what you got and we were civil mm-hmm. engineers and we had a pencil and a computer and like we didn't have the tools mm-hmm. that we needed to like do everything to inspect the roads that were being built but Mm -hmm. we were like well we have to make do with what we have we tried to do the best we could but we didn't have all the resources we needed or the time because we're only there I feel like you already answered this but I'm gonna ask just in case but what do you what do you hope people will walk away from um, after reading Beyond the Point? Well like I said earlier I do hope that it helps bridge the divide between military and civilian communities. I really hope that it touches more than just one pocket in American society. But I also hope that it encourages all women to believe in the power of female friendship. I think, you know, right now there's a lot in society that's like, girl, you go be a boss or you hustle and, you know, make your little empire. And there's just a lot of pressure on women to be everything and to succeed and fight for their spot in the world. And I think that has a place. But at the same time, I I think that the most beautiful parts of our lives are when we're with our friends and when we're able to support other people and not just be selfish and not just be self-promoting, says the author who's currently promoting her book. (laughs) Um, But it's, it's, you know, I've learned so much from these women about what it means to be a good friend. And I'm lucky that even these women that I've interviewed have become really dear friends of mine. And I'm a different person because of writing this book. And I hope that I'm a better friend than I was four years ago when I sat down to write it, because I've just learned what it means to drop everything and go be at someone's side if they need you. And even if they say they don't need you, sometimes they still need you. (laughs) And, you know, I think we all can forget that because it's easy to put out a posture of I'm okay, I'm fine, but we need each other. And I hope that this book helps people see that. Well, I really enjoyed reading it. And I think anyone who likes reading will enjoy reading it. And where can people find your book uh, or find more out about you? Sure. So you can get the book pretty much anywhere. So it'll be on Amazon and Target, Barnes and Noble. It'll be in some airports. (laughs) But, you know, it's always best to call your local independent bookstore if you're lucky enough to have one and ask them to order it because that not only helps the book itself, but it also will support your local community. And I'm a big fan of bookstores. So that would be great. And do you have a website? I'll put it in the show notes so people can find I it. I do. Yep. It's clairegibson.com and people can follow me on Claire C. Gibson. Usually on Instagram is where I'm the most active. <laughs> Thank you for giving me an opportunity to read your book and to interview of course. you. 
And absolutely. It was such a pleasure to meet you. And I'm so thankful for what you're doing here. And I keep going, keep telling people stories. It's so important. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Women of the Military. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of the amazing stories I have with women who have served in our military. Did you love the show? Don't forget to leave a review. Finally, if you are a woman who has served or is currently serving in the military, please email me at airmantomom at gmail.com so I can set you up to be on a future episode of Women of the Military.